guys, welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Corey and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in God's word and what is new with our businesses. <sighs> What's up, Corey? We're back, man. We are back. No guests for uh, for May, which was mostly my fault, but uh, glad to be back here. I'm working on getting a guest for us for June. Hmm. Who? Um, Brent Beshore, if I can. Um, I'm reaching out, trying to work my magic. We've DM'd a couple times. Who is that? So, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't know who Brent Beechore No. Brent Beechore is um, this guy I found on Twitter, uh, an outspoken Christian. He's the CEO and founder of, it's basically like a private equity firm, but they're not really private equity because they don't buy and sell businesses. They basically just buy and hold businesses forever. Well, that's cool. Um, and they do like small businesses around like, you know, like the heart of America. And what, what does he do for them? He's the CEO. He's like, that's cool. I don't know. I don't know exactly what. So buy and hold, just to like for income, basically, or do they Dude, operate them? We've or? never talked about Brent Beachware before. It per- sounds familiar. Permanent um, equity. His last name sounds familiar. So, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's really really cool. He's like, uh, in- has he written a my book? Thinking. Oh, I recommend the book to you. It's um the messy marketplace. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Okay. Did you oh, read the dude. book? No, I need to. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna buy it right now. Cause I keep meaning to buy yeah, it. I bought it. Yeah. Okay. You should. Sorry. I keep talking. I'm so basically, yeah. I mean, th- the thesis for his company is really interesting. So they, um, they took in a bunch of funding from investors and then they went out and bought a bunch of businesses and they used the cash flow and profits from those businesses and lines of credit to buy more businesses. And, um, now they had this whole like family, this whole portfolio kind of c- conglomerate of, um, small businesses around America that all do very like, um, like sweaty startup kind of stuff, like super, I think like one is like an aerospace parts manufacturer. Uh, one is, um, he has like a whole franchise, like line of like pool cleaners. <laughs> um, there's, uh, like a glass maker. I want to say, um, just stuff like that where you'd be like, yeah, it's like an HVAC. I don't know, you know, all sorts of things like that. Um, so when so I think my, my jam kind of thing, yeah, your yeah. jam dude. And um, super, super profitable. Uh, he's a Christian. They're a great company. They're really, really smart about it. It's not just like a, oh, we like buy up businesses. And it's like they're very like smart about it. And then they innovate. And he actually has a marketing background. So that was just his, his thing was they, um, oh, dude, he has a one of the other companies is like an apparel um, manufacturer for the military. Like stuff you would never, you didn't even know existed. So basically. the firm owns all these companies now yeah. that have their own like operators essentially. And th- and this guy just runs the firm essentially. Yeah, essentially. Like, That's you cool. know, um, Andrew Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's like the Andrew Wilkinson of non-tech. Yeah. Stuff. Non-software. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Essentially. Um, and for those who don't know, Andrew Wilkinson, um, similar idea, founder CEO of tiny capitals. So he had a, a design agency and then he reinvested all the profits from that agency to buy up uh, like tech businesses and then bought and sold a few. And now they have this whole huge, huge family of businesses. I'm actually, I have, um, they IPO'd one of them, like one of the, uh, they, I mean, they like split it up, but it was like a division of tiny capital called WeCommerce. There was like their whole like Shopify e-commerce ecosystem. And then they split that out into the WeCommerce brand and then that has uh, a few like, I don't know, like there's like a there's Pixel Union, which is like a template business, and then there's um, home to other th- things like that. And they IPO'd on the Toronto Venture Exchange, 
and uh, I have some some monies in there. I set up like a whole new <clears throat> international brokerage account. <laughs> just so, oh, and actually, I got my um. They're having like some sort of like virtual like voting session for shareholders. Really? On the sixteenth. <laughs> yeah, I have like this whole. They sent me this whole big document. I was like, whoa! I feel like <laughs> I feel big time. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I I don't have very many shares, and I have like a hundred shares or something, but. Um, yeah. So anyways, that's who Brent Breshore is. I'm trying to get him on. I'm uh, I'm curious what, I mean, I'll ask him, but like, what's the work like, you know, when you, for, for the firm, right? I mean, cause they're just like, acquiring companies. So I'm assuming his team is like, you know, researching and finding like what to do next, but like once they're own, they own them, right? Like what else are they doing, you know, within the firm? Yeah. I mean, I think a, a large part of it from what I've heard from him and what I can imagine just based off of what I've also heard from Andrew, cause he's very like public and open about what he does is a lot of it is recruiting and like people management. And, you know, when you have like a whole portfolio of companies that each have their own operators, like you can imagine that there's a lot of questions that come in, brainstorming problems, fires mm-hmm. to put out, you know, mm-hmm. just things you have to do constantly. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when they do acquire a business, uh, then I think that that's a whole like big thing. You know, there's due diligence there. It's like a, you know, mm-hmm. many yeah, I mean, months the transition, long. all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Many months. Yeah. Transition. They, whether or not the, the previous CEO or founder stays or not, they might have to find someone else. He might step in and place. They're also revamping all the processes and yeah. really taking a good hard look to get to know the business. Hmm. So, um, those, I think are like the two big things, but it's I can imagine he has his hands full yeah. all the time. That's super cool. Yeah. So I really, really, I don't know anyone else who does, that's not true. Actually, I know another person who does what he does, uh, but they're, they're not a Christian. So mm-hmm. I don't know anyone else like him, <laughs> basically. What's your uh, connection with him? Just Twitter? Yeah, just Twitter. Um, he shared you know, about his faith and like stuff that he does. He's been on a few podcasts that I listen to. And so I've DM'd him a couple questions or just comments about you know things he said, either on Twitter or on a podcast. And uh, so I pitched him on the idea. We'll see. But uh, if you want to tweet at him or <laughs> email Maybe him. I can try. Yeah. Or anyone else listening as well. Uh, just say, hey, go on the Cultivate and Keep podcast. Go talk with uh, Jeremy and Corey. That might give him a little bump, a little extra, a little extra yeah. nudge. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's so fascinating. I could see myself wanting to do that one day. And maybe not as like big, you know, not such a big scale. But I don't know. I think owning and selling multiple companies would be really fun. Oh, Sounds yeah. like I mean, really fun. I think that that's uh, – I personally, I don't know if I'd be as – want to be as much on like the operations mm-hmm. side of things. But I think like the whole like investing strategy, mm-hmm. like just being like a part of it, it sounds really, really cool. Um, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny how it changes. I, like, I never thought I would want anything close to that. You know, like growing up I was always, I wanted to like be in business, but I wanted, I envisioned like something like my dad had, you know, one company that, would grow and would support my family and kind of like be it. Mm. And now it's funny how like I don't, I don't want some like large company. You know, my dad's company is not you know large, still a small business, but they, you know they have over I think 160 employees now. A lot um, of people. Yeah. Yeah, and that grown up seemed awesome, but now it doesn't. Like no, like, I'd rather have you know smaller things going on. But we'll see. I mean that could change too. So. Yeah. A whole bunch of smaller, different things that all kind of level up. You know, mm-hmm. instead of having like one hundred person company maybe a five 20 people companies or something mm-hmm, like exactly that. yeah yeah which sounds a little bit crazy but it's actually not i mean especially with today mm-hmm. technology and people involved so yeah we'll see hopefully we can get it for june i think eventually we can get them on it's just a matter of time but brent if you're listening also we'd love to have you on yeah just well we'll get chance. we'll get him 
Also want to get Kevin Miller on too. He yeah. just started a podcast called Scent Three Fifteen. That's right. Which is pretty cool. Listen to it a few times. Um, we're going to be on that podcast. Yeah, we're going right? on there. I think next, well, the eighteenth of June. Jeez, so. we got to prepare. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm assuming they interview us or ask us questions. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a whole new thing. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be fun, fun though. Really yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, dude, that's that'd be fun for the next few months. Um, well, how you been, dude? Good. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I think this last month has been a little bit weird because. I can't remember what I, what exactly I was feeling or kind of talking about the last time we caught up, but um, the last month hasn't, I wouldn't call it burnout. Like, it's not like, I'm like, I'm just like done. I can't work. I'm, I have a hard time getting out of bed. It's more just, uh, it's kind of related to what I want to talk about a little bit. And I think it's sort of a God thing that this is like what I'm reading through and learning about. But um, it's just been a little bit more stressful, a little bit less sleep a little bit more uncertain. Like I still don't feel like I really have like my feet under me on like what I'm doing that it's like, Oh, like it's working. And like, I just need to like mm-hmm. keep this thing going. Like it still feels like I'm kind of manually pushing a little bit and um, you know, money's still a little bit tight and uh, not, not in like a terribly bad way. It could be much, much worse, but it's just like, um, yeah, it's just not like terribly like smooth. Um, there has been a whole bunch of kind of things I can go into, but uh, it's been good, but it's been, it's been hard at the same yeah, time. If that I makes sense. No, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, you know, Corey, I'm reading this book called Anti-Fragile. <laughs> <and> <laughs> Look at you. You're the nerd now. No, I mean, uh, well, I think a lot of what you're saying is kind of, I've, I've been thinking about similar things, like just the idea of like, kind of feeling uncertain, you know, and feeling like, and I'm speaking like before I started reading this book. So um, I don't know, I'm just thinking like, there's a lot of unknowns for my life, you know, coming up and a lot of things that, um, like I don't have figured out, you know, I think right for me personally, right now, theme things uh, seem to be good. Like I think overall things are going like well and smooth with business. Um, but like I, I imagine there's going to be a lot more just like, you know, what's the word like adjusting and things kind of rock being rocky and just changes as, as I get older and do more. And that like doesn't sit well with me <laughs> with most people. Like I don't <laughs> like the idea of, of change and kind of like not knowing the plan. And I've been, th- I was just thinking about like how, like, I don't know, how do you be okay with that? How do you be okay with things being uncertain? Uh, and then like post those thoughts started reading anti-fragile. So, um, and that book is basically about just the idea of being okay with, um, like uncertainty and being okay with constant like change. And, and I think, you know, we have this, like the book talks about most people have this illusion of like trying to get rid of and eliminate things being random and eliminate mm. like change and, right. and things that create tension and, and, things being abrupted and this book talks all about how like that's actually like what we need we need a lot of that that change we need tension and what that does is that promotes good things that promotes you know growth and things that we need to kind of push past like certain benchmarks and things that we wouldn't normally do um you know i just started reading the book i'm not really into it yet so i don't know a whole lot about it but Man, a good one. i think i'm like four chapters in but it's been i believe good. that was a recommendation from matt miller m- well myself first yeah, because right. i read it at the start of COVID and I told you all about it and I talked about it on the podcast, but it was a strong recommendation from yeah. Matt Miller. So yeah, I wrote this Matt. down. So this is what he, I think one of the like quotes from the book he, or uh, the back says, Oh, how people and systems actually thrive and benefit from shock and, and being uncertain. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Like uh, anyway, so yeah. yeah, dude, I love that book. I think um, one of the interesting parts about it is um, it talks about like randomness and uncertainty and uh, a lot of it is focused on like the negative, but I think there's also, you could 
kind of flip it and I think he does a little bit later, but there's also like the positive side of like we as human beings, we need novelty. Like uh, on the negative side of randomness is like, you know, these like black swan events or like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, tragedies or like things that happen that are really negative or, you know, you get sued or stuff that happens. Right. But on the positive side of things, it's, um, it's novelty. It's like good fortune. It's, and like, that's what keeps life interesting and fun. And and fun. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not, things aren't the same all the time. Mm -hmm. So predictable because as soon as you feel like, uh, you know, you know exactly what to do and what to expect, then you start to kind of lose some interest mm-hmm. and you go to autopilot and things are a little bit boring. So yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't loved a book yet because I think he uses a ton of words to say <laughs> a few things. Like I mean, dude, he's the king of that. I've probably read like 120 pages so far. I'm kind of like, okay, so this could, <laughs> this could have been probably a chapter easily. Right. Um, it's like my one beef, but the overall premise I, I have been enjoying. It's been good. I think, I think the, the beginning especially is like that. Keep pushing on. I think that the language gets a little bit easier. Um, but I, dude, it, I remember a million times, like on my Kindle, you know, you, you can like basically you can like click on the word and then mm-hmm. it'll like do like the Google search or like the mm-hmm. you know, definition search for you. A million times I looked up the difference between convex and uh, I don't even know the other word now. I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Uh, there's convex and concur. Uh, I don't know. Whatever the other one is. Like one is good, one is bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, get used to it because mm-hmm. there's a lot of big words and yeah. stuff that are like not normal people would use in their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been good. But anyway, like I was saying, um, I feel like a part of what I've been like going through recently, kind of like you, I guess, is um, it sounds like you are more like in the present. Like right now you're feeling those things. and I'm more like thinking about the future, like yeah. what could possibly yeah, yeah. happen, which are hand in hand. But um I don't know. I just been thinking about that. Like how, how, I don't know. Like how do you deal with uncertainty? You know, in that, in that book, uh, that question is like brought up and at least so far he doesn't address it. He kind of says like, Mm -hmm. good question. Like don't know yet. You know, (laughs) I'm assuming he'll kind of touch on it maybe, but, um, there's a lot of book to go through. Yeah. He he touches on it. Believe me. Um, but I mean, it's it's been my mind, the idea of being uncertain and what do you do with it? Um, yeah. So on a, on a similar note, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, but, uh, you read Essentialism, right, mm-hmm. by uh, Greg McEwen. Greg McEwen, also a great future guest, possibly. I believe he's a Christian and uh, all-around smart guy. Um, but Essentialism, when I first read it, maybe a couple of years ago, that was one of my like really favorite books. I love that book. I haven't reread it since, but he actually just came out with a new book called Effortless. Um, and it's actually surprisingly good. I was kind of skeptical at first because it was like, okay, it's like the follow-up to Essentialism. And Effortless just sounded like a little bit kind of cheesy, corny. Um, and I won't get into like the whole premise of the book. I just wanted to kind of hone in on a few things that I've highlighted, but this like perfectly describes like the way I've been feeling and like literally put into words what I was trying to articulate and like feeling deep down, but just didn't know really what was going on. But, uh, he said, do you ever feel as though you're running faster, but not moving any closer to your goals? You want to make a higher contribution, but lack the energy you're teetering right in the edge of burnout. Things are so much harder than they ought to be. If you answered yes to any of, or all of these, this book is for you. And, um, and he kind of gets into, so basically essentialism is about how to do the right things, but still even the right thing can be like really hard or it can mm-hmm. be a slog or it can be like difficult. It can be painful even. And so effortless is about how to do the right thing the right way in a way that's sustainable and easy and even enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, he has like these interesting questions. So the whole book is that there's actually some really interesting backstory that he doesn't get to for a while. And I didn't even get to you until um, uh, he did a podcast interview with Tim Ferriss. But basically what happened was uh, through, through COVID, like COVID kind of like exacerbated it. But right before that, his daughter was having kind of like this mental crisis a bit. And uh, he just had the success of essentialism. And he was like traveling all the time, speaking everywhere, doing workshops everywhere, was like super, super burned out, doing all the things that he wanted to do. Like basically his dream came true. Like Mm -hmm. essentialism was this huge hit, but now he had to like live out the positive consequence of being like in demand everywhere all the time. And um, so his like family was breaking down as, you know, daughter was having this crisis. He was just feeling like completely burned out. And he said, uh, so then he has this quote in the book where he says, what does one do when they've stripped life down to the essentials and it's still too much? And I was like, oh, interesting, because I think that it's easy to think like, well, I just need my life to get like simpler. Mm-hmm. And um, I've kind of been in this mindset of like, well, I'm just overwhelmed. Like I need to be able to like break free of like freelancing and consulting. And like I just need to get to this this spot with revenue and like I just need to get mm-hmm. these things up and running and like things will be things will be simpler things will be like I'll, I'll get down to those like essential things but then he says like what do you do once you get to the essentials and even that hmm. is too much and so the question is more yeah, about so yeah it's more about okay you have what's essential now like how are you doing those things that are essential like how are you living essentially wow, that's good um and so, he, so I'll just read a couple more quotes, kind of describe I'm gonna, instead I, of me. I'm going to buy it, dude. You sold me. Yeah, it's really, really, really good so far. I'm not even that far far into it. But he says, here's what I learned. I was doing all the right things for the right reasons, but I was doing them in the wrong way. Um, and he kind of has like, and he brings it back to like American culture, right? He says, think of these revealing phrases. When we accomplish something we want or something important, we say, it took blood, sweat, and tears. Or when we say uh, important achievements are hard earned, when we might just say that they're earned. We mm-hmm. recommend a hard day's work when a day's work would just, you know, suffice. Like we kind of had this obsession with like, Oh, I, it was, I, like I did the hard thing mm-hmm. and like it sucked, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been like feeling that way a little bit, but then he really put it into words. Um, cause it's this weird thing of like, it feels good to, I don't know. We talked before about like do hard things and mm-hmm. like, push yourself and like challenge yourself. I don't think those things are wrong at all, but I also think that there's something to like making it easier on yourself. Like not, not making it unnecessarily hard or harder than it should be. Um, he talks a little bit about Warren Buffett, you know, one of the most Mm -hmm. successful investors in history. Um, and he said basically like you can wrap up their whole investment thesis into investing in companies that don't require enormous effort to achieve profitability or to be massive hmm. successes. Like he wants, he wants it basically for like, I think Warren Buffett even said it before where he says like, you know, idiots should be able to run this company and not like burn it to the ground. Like make it so simple, so easy, so terribly hard to ruin that it's just like, it's going to be a success no matter what. And um, so anyways, that's been what am I, what's on my mind is like, how can I turn like this kind of like slog that I'm in into something that I kind of enjoy? Yeah. And uh, you hear things like, oh, 
you know, it's about the journey, not, not the destination. I'm like, bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to the destination, dude. Yeah. Like the journey sucks. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but this kind of makes it a little bit more realistic to like, oh, like make the journey hmm. more worth it and more enjoyable. Dude, this is, it's fascinating because I think, I mean, so this, I like feel like very compelled about hearing like what you're t- telling me. Um, I think we're, we're going through the same thing, but like different stages kind of like I, uh, so I, I personally was feeling like before recording, I was kind of thinking through my thoughts. Like, so, you know, I think I shared last time, but we, you know, we just, um, like for, for my business, like we've made some big steps. We've hired some full-time employees and like finally for myself being able to like do either no or, or significantly less time like out on events, you know? And so that means I'm spending more time on doing hopefully like the essential parts of my business, like the more things that are going to, you know, promote growth and the things I want to do. So I feel like I'm in this place of like, I've kind of gotten where I've wanted to get to for a long time. Like I've spent, you know, three years like You're at the working on the truck. Like I've, you know, I've worked hard and I'm finally like, yeah, at least with this business, like I got a spot to where I can start like doing what I want to do, but it feels freaking weird. Like I was thinking about that. Like it just feels odd. Like, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost like, I don't know. I'm not freaked out, but like I'm excited and I'm grateful, but I'm also in this weird thing. Like, okay. Like, so like, I've gotten that. So now what do I work on? Like, what do I spend, you know, where I spend my the right time. And also like, and then part of me is kind of thinking this is probably more where Connie lies on, but like, wait a second, like now can I, you know, take my foot off the gas a little bit and kind of pull back a little bit and like maybe work less. And my mind is like, no, like let's keep doing the hard thing, but I'm kind of torn. Like, so the, the question is like, a, what I work on and B, like, should I work less kind of thing? Right. Um, it's interesting. Like I, anyway, I think this is going to be a good, a good read. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I mean, it's kind of been, influencing the way that I think about what I'm doing and um, a little bit more. So uh, even, even for myself with like swipe files, for example, um, like the way that I do certain things, uh, just like creating content, for example, like the vast majority of what I do comes down to creating content. Um, And the really, really difficult part about creating content is that it's not this like linear, like you put out a tweet, you make a dollar, oh, you yeah. write a blog post, you make $10. Like it's just so like, un well, it's not unrelated. It's just like unattributable and, uh, and it's, it's lagging as well. And, um, and so you really, you really do have to learn to enjoy the journey of creating a lot of content because mm-hmm. otherwise if you're just like on the treadmill and then like you're getting tired out and you don't want to run the treadmill anymore, then you get off and then you, you kind of stop making money. Like you, yeah. the business doesn't really work anymore. Um, I can't just leave my community. I can't just stop tweeting. Mm-hmm. I can't just stop writing my newsletter. Uh, I can't just like, I mean, I kind of have. Uh, so the last, uh, the last week I opened up enrollment for the courses again, which, um, you know, dude, the, the first year they did, um, they did over $60,000 in revenue. That's so crazy. It, and you created that. I know. That's it's a big out, deal. Dude. Out of nothing, dude. That's and, really cool. And it cost me just... And that's, that's your knowledge. It's like what you... Yeah. Like from your research and just what you've learned, what you like put out. That's 100%. super cool. And then in December... So, but what year was that though? I'm sorry. So that that was... Uh, or was like a, you know, what, what month periods? Yeah. Basically that was... Oh, it's a little bit confusing, but that was like December of 2019 to December of 2020. Cool. And then in December of 2020, you opened up again. Oh yeah. Opened up again. You know, it was amazing. I made like 13 grand, opened it up again this March, made about four grand, Mm -hmm. actually almost like five grand. So was that a big letdown right there? Was that kind of, it was a little bit 
kind of expected. So it was interesting because December, I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be 13 grand. But I think it was because it was Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas time. People are in the mm-hmm. you know end of year. This extra budget. Yeah. Um, so I expected you know four or five grand ish. Uh, I would have also been happy to get you know ten grand, but I didn't. And then this last week, I was kind of experimenting. You know, maybe thinking, am I going to get four grand again? It's going to be less. And I made about fifteen hundred. So mm-hmm. much much less. And it's closed. And now it's closed again. Um, and uh, so that was like a big bummer, right? And that's kind of the t- a testament to like, okay, well, I haven't updated it in either of them in a year and a half. And like, I've kind of let my foot off the gas pedal on mm-hmm. like really promoting them. And, you know, the lists for each one of those for like the wait list for, you know, to get notified for enrollment, like they're kind of stagnant. They haven't really grown much. Like I've, I think I've kind of, you know, squeezed that lemon a little bit. So anyways, all that to say, like, I just trying to be, more get in the mindset of instead of just doing things that I don't like because I need to doing things that I do like that will, you know, still get me the same end result or even better. Mm. Um, I've been beating myself up about not writing as many blog posts as I should be or newsletter uh, about not updating the courses. Um, and now I think, okay, like what are the things I really like doing? Actually, I really like tweeting rather than like writing big long blog posts. Uh, I really like, creating like really short newsletters. That's what I'm doing now. I want to update the courses. Finally have like the kind of like energy and motivation to, I really, really want to create new courses. Um, Mm -hmm. and even like I've been doing these weekly workshops for swipe files community. And, um, it's kind of a drag to like schedule, sit in on them for an hour every week. Um, and then like, I'm not really like doing it, but like I'm really putting a lot to like get people there to join live. I'm not going to do like the live workshops. I'm thinking I move to like a monthly by monthly like summit where it's kind of like all homes people together instead of like each one by one week by week. Um, so anyways, trying to enjoy the journey a hmm. little bit more. Interesting. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know. I think that I, I go back to, um, I think it was actually Wally Kamari kind of super random, but he, um, works for the foothills church. Uh, I think he works for a maintenance department and when we first took over the business in like 2018, he was also working for the Stecklers. And so he worked for me for a little bit and super nice man. And I remember uh, after he stopped working with us, I think it's like a year later, I saw him and he's like, hey, Jeremy, how's business? And I was like, going well, man. Like, you know, just trying to find time to, you know, work on, you know, the business and operations and events and, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. And he's like, yeah, man, that's cool. He's like, he's like, just remember, like, he's like, always, you know, your most, the most important place you can put your time is towards revenue producing activities. And I always think about that, like, and I mean, that's not like groundbreaking advice. Like, it's very, you know, common and like known. But whenever I'm feeling like overwhelmed or discouraged, like, man, like, what do I do next? Like, I always try to like, you know, what's going to produce the most revenue? What's going to like push my push my business forward? Not so much like, what do I like doing? And what's the uh, what has to get done but what's going to produce revenue what's going to keep my guys working you know it's like another way of looking at it too like what's going to keep people employed and so um for me like right now that's kind of where my, my head is at like this weird like transition period of like kind of getting to this fun spot that i've wanted for a while um it's kind of where i'm at like okay what are the things i can do that will grow the business you know what is going to produce revenue not so much like what do i like doing or what like has to get done um, and for me right now, I've been doing right now, if I'm being honest, like I've, I've been doing like what has to get done. I've just been doing like the emails and the schedule, like just the, yeah. the busy work. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, that's, that's another thing I've had. I've kind of realized like, cause we talk a lot about work, like 
on your business and not like in your <laughs> business or you know don't be an employee kind of thing or hope you don't want to to do that. And if, if I'm being honest, like, I kind of realize, like, dude, like most of my time is spent just working like on my in my business, I'm not on it, but in it. Like I'm yeah. just working yeah. on like tasks, and and I, I think I've shared with you, but like. My goal is like once a week to work on my business. Like that's horrible. Like once a week, I'm only I'm trying to work on a project. Like it should be daily. And so, hmm. um, that's that's my struggle. Is like finding like, uh, I guess you know prioritizing time and trying to do things that produce revenue. Um, I wonder for you if like, I don't know. I wonder. This might be a stupid idea, but like at some maybe like putting a time limit on like how long you're gonna do the consulting for. You know, like just setting a deadline. Like. I know that's like, that's basically your income, you know, most of it. So that's, it may be impossible, but if you could do that, like, you know, that it might be like that tension you need or something that's whatever. Or or maybe it was having a a bad week of sales. That's going to motivate that kind of thing. I mean, if you, let's say you had more time, would you spend it towards doing another course? Would you work on swipe files? Like where would your time go? Cause swipe files you consider separate from the courses, right? I know you've combined them, but like the community is a little different. Yeah. I mean, I would kind of all bundle them all together now i would consider them all sort of the same thing um yeah i've thought about that a little bit and i've even been thinking more about um i think the hard thing for me is that like daily i just want to like chip away at like a hundred different things that i'm doing and um i think i really just need to like start carving out like weeks for like one thing um the one thing yeah yeah like like literally just spend like all week on that one thing like you know, was doing the courses. That was like the one thing that I did. Constantly. Well, it's not been working to do your um, because right now you're you're very good with your time, aren't you? With uh, you have your like your writing yeah. days, and you have, so is that not working? Is what you're saying? Uh, a little bit. It's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. You know, same thing with like emails, community, um, people I need to schedule, record. Like, there's just a lot of things going all at once, and um, and that doesn't leave very much margin to like really sink my teeth into one thing in particular. I, I've had this, um, I finally figured out, like I've been chipping away at this thing for like six months now where it's called the, the Swipe House Brain. And it's like this library of examples that I pre- personally curate of landing pages, ads, emails. There's no like commentary on them. It's not like the teardowns, but it's just like there. You search for pretty much anything and there's over 1500 examples. Um, but I really need to grow that library. I really need to curate more. And I need to make some slight tweaks to the way that it works and the tags and, and, and whatnot. And that's not something I can really spend like 30 minutes a day on. Like yeah. I really just need to dive in on it. Yeah. Because 30 minutes a day, like uh, I'm going to like finish in like two or three months. Mm-hmm. I need for, for me to like launch it and promote it and like make money off of it. I need to spend like a full week on it yeah. or even two weeks and then I can promote and make a big deal out of it and have it be a more kind of core part of the offering. Same thing with the courses. I can't just chip away. I need to sit down for like a couple of weeks and then like record for a week. And then like, that's, that's the thing that I do. And that's really scary because you feel like in between you're letting all these other things kind of go by the wayside and uh, you're not seeing, you know, there's no like revenue being generated by those things directly yet. Um, So it's all like delayed. But um, that's kind of the scary part. And uh, I think that's what I need to do is just being able to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, like, why would you not do that? Um, what if you, you know, keep doing consulting and then it sounds like tweeting is important. Could everything else stop for a week or no? 
no workshops maybe you take a big off the podcast you yeah yeah i think that i think that's the thing is i need to i need to get ahead on a couple of things for me to be able to step away from those things so i'm building a good queue for the podcast um uh, i need to build a queue of like kind of like twitter content and, and tweets as well um and there's a couple of things in flight right now that I'm like, I can't really back out of. I need to like see them through. And then after that, really start to sit down. I had actually originally planned out to start working my, my next course in April. Hmm. And then like all these new ideas came and sort of new opportunities and kind of got distracted and stuff. And then like it wasn't until like a week ago because <laughs> this whole like course thing. And I was like, oh, like I forgot I was even planning on doing that. And I really need to get back to that mindset and mm -hmm. that prior those priorities. How is um that assistant you hired working out okay or no? Um good. Yeah, I feel like we're we're now getting to a place where it's like kind of streamlined like I'm starting to see, you know, she'll just like do things that I'm like, "Oh, perfect." It's like I didn't have to do that or I'm just like seeing we're using a software called ClickUp uh to kind of like yeah. project manage stuff together. Why not like Notion or something you've already used? Um one, because uh, we might end up still migrating to Notion one day, but there is a lot of like initial setup you have to do with Notion, and she didn't know Notion at all, so I just felt like that would be like a whole thing to like get Spend set up and get that to a place where we we could be productive inside of it, and I just didn't want to like be take the mental space for myself to like do that. Do you like ClickUp? Um, it's okay. I thought about using it for myself. It's kind of it's, why I it's pretty good. Um, it's a little bit like clunky and there's like a lot of like hierarchy um things can like kind of get lost a little yeah. bit but uh i don't think it's any like better or worse than any other hmm. project management software gotcha. <laughs> you know it's like they're they're you make what you make they're all like what you make of them yeah. that's kind of what i'm trying to say yeah um but yeah definitely seeing some time savings now um there are some things that I've kind of completely put off my plate. Um, email has been really big, really helpful. Um, even just like project management stuff. Like we have like a weekly sync call. We'll kind of just like organize, check in on things, get a reminder for me. Um, so it's been helpful for yeah, sure. That's cool. Yes, yeah, right. I, uh, I don't think I would do that, but I think I'm going to, we're going to hire someone to probably start doing like the business emails. I, you know, I've realized like maybe we're so busy right now, but I, honestly easily spend like three hours a day like That's at crazy. least if not more yeah. close to half my work day on emails now it's this is why i've never i've never like subbed it out because in my mind i think it's important stuff and a lot of it is the sales process so when you know, when clients reach out to us they come through our, our website um and then the whole dial most of that dialogue is email and you know it's a lot of back and forth a lot of answering questions a lot of um you know trying to appeal to the to the client so they so they book with us um so i've kind of felt like i don't want to give that up and I'm I'm curious what you think. Like, should I give that up or should I keep doing it? Or, um, yeah, I mean, I would say probably of the emailing time, I would say probably half of the emails are like that, the sales process, and the other half are probably just like deta a lot of details, a lot of detail, you know, questions and scheduling stuff and nuances that someone else could probably do. But do you think it's worth me like giving that up or should I keep doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to what are the things that only you can do. And like, what's the split between things someone else could do or things only you could do? Because um, I kind of went through this with uh, everything is marketing mm -hmm. for the kind of like podcast production for that for that one. Where I was like, well, they're not going to know 
you know, basically when I actually sat down and wrote down the process of like, here's everything step by step that I need this from is what start to finish. This does now, right? Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, I don't need to do all, any, all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I can just like make a list of all the people I want to get in touch with. And then she can send the email. She can send the scheduling link. She can a- ask the questions. She can gather the questions. She can even do the, some of the podcast research for me. Uh, she can, you know, double check and make sure they have a mic and headphones. She can, you know, X, Y, and Z, like change the things around in the order and add this to the document and whatnot. And then once they're done, she can post schedule, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found at least for that one part of the process that I don't need to do a single part of it. Um, with something like sales, I think that there is a lot of nuance and relationship and my hunch is that you definitely can't like 100% offload that, mm-hmm. but the maybe I think like I, 25 I to 50%. I think I could offload it. Well, but the question like is as their job, right? As like a, a salesperson. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's the question is, um, is it worth it? Or like, what do we, what do we lose because of that? You know? Yeah. I, I, I think I'm totally replaceable. I do think I'm good at it. Like, that's a sweet spot of my, I do love mm-hmm. sales. I think it's natural for me. Um, and I don't that's know kind of why it's up. Yeah, it's hard for me also to want to give it up because I like it. Like, I really yeah. do. I hate the detail part. I hate all like all the scheduling and questions, um, but I love the sales process. I'm, I don't know. It just it mm. seems natural to me. I really enjoy it. Always have. I think there are, there are probably things that you could get off your plate that would make it more enjoyable, that it would save you time, but wouldn't be like the whole process. Um, so here's a like a nuanced detail. That I, actually, I guess maybe later, but like, let's say I have someone that handles like half of the stuff to where they're doing like the deep engine, the questions and the schedule, like are we just sharing like this email or do they have like their own that I direct people to? Like, how would that work? So I don't know if this is like a normal thing or not, but I found this software called missive and basically allows you to, uh, to connect to your email accounts. It could be one or two or three or four, however many you want to. And then it's like a shared inbox where not only can someone like see your email and like kind of jump into a thread uh, you know, from their email, but they can basically impersonate you. So that's what, that's rad. That's what my assistant Eliza does. Write that down. Um, and dude, it's like pretty magical because that's so sweet. It's, it's me answering all the questions, yeah. but it's not me. What's the, um, what's the name? Missive M I S S I V E app.com. And, uh, it's a desktop app, really, really slick interface and friendly pricing. So is um, that what you use now? Or do you use yeah. like your Gmail, whatever? Uh, well, that's what I use for anything that we're collaborating on. That's mainly actually what she uses. I still use my. It's like my I'm on emails. this right here, right? I'm doing my thing, but like let's say, let's say Connie was doing emails, whatever, and she was on her what her own email. She'd be using Missive, whatever that website. Yeah, and then she could basically like log in as you without logging in as you if that makes but sense. she also could respond to this yeah as, as like in as like i don't know help at wonder whatever yeah she, you could also do that she could do that you that's can, sweet you can create aliases you can create different team members they all fake team members Heck yeah, dude. yeah so like literally like i come in and i'm like do i want to respond to this as me as eliza as like you know hello at swifehouse.com i can just choose who i want to respond as <laughs> that's so cool we can comment on email threads as well, which is really nice. So you can say like, Hey, say this, do this. Yeah. And you can see like a real, a real time draft of like what each other is writing and you can chat, you know, on like a separate kind of <laughs> panel so that you can, you know, talk through what you're about to say in the email and stuff. Hmm. Uh, yeah. 
makes it really, really cool. Really I think I'll do that. I mean, I've been thinking about it. I, uh, I don't know. I think having someone like take over like the operation side of things so far, like the events, like it's only been two and a half weeks, but it's been incredible. Like I've, it's been awesome. Yeah. And so I think I want to take like the next step and this is like a small step, nothing huge, but I think we should do it. It'd be cool. Yeah. The the thing that I think that's, that's really, really good now is something Eliza's doing now is uh, it was actually her idea, but basically she's creating a whole bunch of different labels for different types of uh, like conversations, threads, dialogues, and then um, she'll like manually move them between different labels, and then she'll tag me like if I need to respond to something or she need if I need to like review something, and then also like follow uh, follow up with me if like I haven't done something in a thread that's like it's waiting on me. Um, so for example, there's a whole bunch of like different types of emails that I get, and we've kind of just like created these big buckets, and then. Um, you know, depending on if I'm scheduling with a guest or if I'm just like responding to a random question or if there's like an inquiry about a, you know, podcast interview for me to go on, like they'll all go into separate labels. She'll respond to them as much as she can. And then they'll go in and out of those labels so that it's basically just like, uh, it's like project management inside of email. Yeah. If that makes sense. I never liked that. I never liked, um, folders and lab- labels and emails well and no tagging I, I didn't either because it's a lot to maintain but when someone else is doing it <laughs> i mean is it a lot of their time is it worth it you think i think so um, for you it's at a glance you kind of come in and can just see quickly yeah 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 i'm like oh here are the emails right now they need my attention in this little folder and i'm like those are the things and then because if you don't do that then the other thing is like you're almost guessing who's doing what right or it's kind of like yeah and then everything's in one mm-hmm. huge feed of emails and you're just going top to bottom and they're all different types. And so there's, there's like some productivity science in there as well, like, you know, batching like tasks together, you know, you're in a similar train of thought. Like what if you just did all of your like new business inquiries all at once? What if you just did all of your scheduling ones all at once? And you yeah, saw each when of When that those. comes in, like the email won't automatically go to a new inquiry. Like she has to assign it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I haven't liked it. Again, well, that's why I you don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. But when it's done for you, it's really that's, nice. Okay, that actually might be a way of doing it, huh? Whoever yeah. handles it does that. Yeah. So it, it, for me, it'd, it'd be like, you know, new inquiries, like schedule, like question, whatever, you know? Yeah. Because um, it's never like a perfect system when it's automated through like filters or anything else like that. It really does take like a manual touch. Why not just do like, uh, what's her name? Eliza. Eliza Corey. Just like two folder, two tags. Versus like all the like separate little divisions mm. because uh i know it's like less clean but um could because be i don't well because everything is me technically i uh, guess i mean like what you what you have to respond to um because that's a separate thing already that they do for you there's like a they have like a there's like your your inboxes and then the, there's like your inbox which is all the things that you get tagged in assigned to etc and so that's already like a separate thing, at least in missive. Yeah. Um, but it's the same problem with like, it's just this big stream, this big feed of emails and it feels overwhelming, cluttered, disorganized. Hmm. So you, you want to kind of like split it out at least, at least a little bit. Do you think for me, it'd be worth hiring someone like what you've done or hiring someone that I know from church or I'm kind of, it would actually be really neat if I could, if one of my current like employees that work for me, um, having them do part of this as well. I think, mm. they, I think they would like, it. I think them getting to see maybe a few of them would like the, um, you know, the behind the scenes kind of the details of what's going on 
rather than just like setting up events, you know? So it might give them a bit more like ownership. Also, you know, help them get more towards full time versus like part time, you know, more hours. Yeah. Or should it be someone that's like very detail oriented, like what you have? Yeah, possibly. I think that it definitely takes a really detail oriented kind yeah. of person. And so I think the big part of it is you have to really, really timely. Um, be on it, yeah. Yet, yeah, like constantly updating things, moving things between updating, whatever, mm-hmm. commenting. That's why I'm really bad at emails because I'll check it like twice a week in like the evenings when I'm like finally fed up and I feel guilty. I'm like, I know that there's things that are, you know, that mm-hmm. I have, need to have my attention on. But when someone else can just like, you know, different times throughout the day, every day, come in and make small little updates, then it makes it a lot more manageable. Seems like, because you're paying 600 bucks a month for her, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that alone is almost worth it, right? Or no? Yeah, I think I don't so. Know, I don't know, like, your magnitude of emails. For me, it's a because lot. Because email but. is, like, a central part of, mm-hmm. like, the whole system. You know, like, mm. what what makes SciFouse tick. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. And I think that's yeah, email. That's true for most people. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, I, mean, I will, but matter of when, how quickly I can. I, yeah, I, I would, think start by making the processes and kind of like what exactly. are the steps. That's, and that's what people told me. Yeah. That's what it is. Like just write out all the things that you do, all the things you think you want help on, and like every literally every detail nuance you can think of, and then it becomes pretty clear. And like, what are the things you want to hire for? Who is that person? What's the best format? Kind of geeked out on that for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk more about that later off off of this. But um, yeah, the other idea I've been thinking out is kind of goes hand in hand. But um, you know, I, I mentioned like we're kind of getting to like a position where I want to for a long time. Um, and I said I said that it's it's been a little weird, right? A little hard. Just uh, I think because it's been changed, right? It's something different. I mean, also part of what's hard is like letting go. Like uh, part of why I've, I've spent so much time. You know, over the years, like actually still going and working the events because like I care about them, I want them to be done correctly, and like now not going, like I'm I'm trusting like my team to do it, like I'm trusting like they know what I want, how to do it, and and to get the job done. And so I think like taking the like micromanage like hat off has, has been has been weird, um, but another thing that's been also challenging, um, is, but it's kind of funny because it's it yields good results, but. Uh, all this this costs money, right? It costs it increases expenses to hire more and to basically for me to do less, like it's gonna cost more essentially. Um, and so that's like a weird like, what's worth it and what's not, and like you know like, uh, basically like not being I have this thought like not being, like not wanting to shy away from growth, and I think part of growth is incurring like more expenses. So you have to do it, and so you know I think we're doing it in a wise way. I think what we're doing makes sense, but like, we have incurred more costs, and so. You know, I have these thoughts of like, you know, what if what if we can't afford to keep people employed, and what if things change? And um, I don't, I don't, I try not to like believe in that stuff, but like I have those thoughts, and so it's been another hard thing of like, which expenses make sense? And I think for me, hiring has so far has made a lot of sense, and so I think like this is one area, the email thing, like that would make sense to hire and to to outsource a, a bit more, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that really the key is um, obviously there's uh, well. First of all, I think that like hiring and expenses, uh, that can be one of like the catalysts to to growth. Like you sometimes you just need exactly yeah. more bodies to grow. And then like it'd be like, great, you know, it's not really like a well, would I rather, you know, pay myself a hundred grand uh a year and have like two employees or pay myself um you know, and like do a lot or like pay 50 myself 50 do grand. Nothing, whatever. Not right. Nothing, but you know, it's you not know. really that yeah. it's more like, Hey, if I want to get to being able to pay myself 200 grand a year and do nothing, 
like but like also like kind of get best of both worlds it still requires hiring and and correct I mean, but also the way of looking at it like the more fundamental level is like if i let's say i'm paying myself 100 grand a year to, to do this job let's just say that's the scenario if i hire someone for 50 grand i still make 50 50 grand for not doing the work i would normally do so if you think about that that position is worth 50 grand that's what it's worth because that's yeah. what i would pay someone else and so it's kind of like i'm paying myself to do that work for that amount mm-hmm. um but let's say we do that right and then you now you can promote growth now you can really like push towards what you want to do and hopefully those numbers begin to make more sense but yeah i think that the point i'm trying to make is that you if there is a direct relationship between like either having higher capacity or better products or services um expanding in some way if you hire or make a major expense maybe you call it an investment um those things usually always uh increase or like heighten your your ceiling mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you'll get to that ceiling but yeah. it gives you more potential capacity to hit for that. that ceiling dude i i have found, I mean, i'm sure you feel similar i have felt at my capacity i mean since we start, i mean I, I, I think i've always felt that way which <laughs> just felt like at my capacity and yeah like just not drowning but like doing all that i can and and at the current moment i still a little bit feel that way because i it's so new but i think once things kind of settle um, yeah, I think the, the ceiling is going to be raised. And so yeah. that's really exciting. But like you said, it doesn't guarantee that you hit the ceiling. Right. But and at least not right away. You've got some more also. room to, to operate, you know. Right. Dude, I'm so stoked. I feel like really excited. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really, really exciting stuff. I think especially yeah. now that the uh, pandemic is behind us-ish. Mm. It's mainly behind us. Mainly, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about uh this is again on a similar, I think all of my like updates <laughs> for today and like the last month have all been around a similar theme, but uh, I also started reading garden city with it, which I think I mentioned, mentioned that last time. Yeah. yeah. Last time. So I've been digging in a little bit more. Um, and he has some, some pretty novel thoughts on like work itself and like what it means to work. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed because it's like pretty, I mean, it's very like biblically based and I appreciate the amount John of like, Mark Comer, right? Yeah. I appreciate the amount of like studying and uh, like analysis that he did. Um, and I thought I'd bring it up also because it's, it loops directly back to cultivate and keep like quite literally Genesis two fifteen where, where we got it from. And um, he says, uh, you know, so we have um, to work it, to ca- take care of it, to cultivate, to keep the first word is abad in Hebrew. And it basically means work. And he literally uses the phrase, it basically means work. Because it doesn't <laughs> doesn't exactly mean work, at least not the way that we interpret or understand work. Um, so he says, that's not the only way it's translated into English. Sometimes it's translated as service. So work is service, which that in and of itself is kind of like an interesting nuance where you view your work as a service to someone else. And a service also implies like, was well, to the benefit of, the greater good, right? It's, um, it's something that is uh, a net positive, not just something that you have to, you have to do right. Check mm-hmm. the box. It's a necessary evil. Um, he says, Abad is also the same word used all over the Hebrew Bible for worship. So I was like, Oh, well like work equals service equals worship. So work equals worship. Like, Oh, interesting. Um, and, uh, he says work and worship are not two separate ideas. They are connected at the hip. Um, and uh and so a little bit later on he goes on to say like there's this big kind of fallacy around 
secularism versus like what is secular versus what is spiritual just in general and that's especially true for what we consider as work like there's spiritual work and there's secular work you know like you work in a pastoral role or at a church or you work a normal job quote unquote Mm -hmm. and he's like no those are not separate things like those are the same thing like all work is work all work is spiritual um Mm -hmm. and all spiritual thing you know is work essentially and then we so he goes the other way he says the next word we need to take a closer look at is uh shamar and it's even more interesting so this one i kind of thought like okay well that's like you know to keep to protect to take care um but he says it also means to watch over protect guard police uh and he also says that it it can be interpreted as or it can mean to draw out the potential of something i thought oh that's really interesting because especially the whole premise of the book being garden city like okay we start in the garden but the garden wasn't meant to just stay a garden it's supposed to become a garden city and you build the city in the garden and it's this kind of symbiotic relationship and um so uh then like in that creation story god talks about the raw material in the garden how good it was there was onyx Mm -hmm. and gold and silver and all these precious metals and um so he talks about how work isn't just you know checking a box it's also not just spiritual versus secular it's also to uh to realize the potential of something whatever that thing Mm -hmm. is like that is work that is all of our jobs so like what are you realizing the potential of in yourself in others you know in your city in your community for a certain type of person um i think that's a really cool way of putting it and and mm. then he kind of taps it off with uh tops it off with tim keller um who said work is rearranging the raw material of god's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish and um, i love that like idea of like rearranging mm. raw material and um to drawing out the potential and like hey what can we work with like what can we turn this into I feel like that's a really cool. That got me fired up about like, dude, John Mark, work. he's so good, dude. He's an he's the man. incredible. Yeah, he's a good writer thinker and writer. He like, um, I feel like a lot of guys like that sometimes come for me at least. I I read them as being like a very excited, yeah, excitable, fluffy, and yeah. like this is this is a big idea that I have that's like not very big. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like John. I mean, I think he has a lot of good ideas, and dude. a lot of things are explained very well and compelling. And I feel like. I want to get up and like do something, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and also like really encouraged and he's a good writer. Really good. Yeah. I read that and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to buy this book too. Court, that's three books today. You <laughs> buy. Dude, I'm in the middle of a lot of really good books right now. Uh, I, uh, I think about every dollar that I spend. I don't know about you. I'm very mindful of money, like, but I spend. Yeah. Um, but you've encouraged me a lot to like not be so much that way when it comes to learning. Uh, I don't know. I, just, I try hard to like, if it's a good book to go buy it. And I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not very good at it today. I've like, I'm kind of like stepping out of my comfort zone of like, yeah, three books, but I'll read them all. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Um, garden city has, has been on my list. So, hmm. and so has the first one, um, by Brent, uh, Brett B. Shore. Yeah. Yeah. Missy middle marketplace. Mm-hmm. Money's going to laugh when she hears this, but I don't know if she remembers, but I literally told her this, this is how I meant to say it. Like, don't ask me to buy a book, like just buy it. Yeah. No budget. Yeah. Any, even for like courses, for like training, pro- like anything that's educational, just buy it. Okay, so my next goal, like along these lines, not goal, but like what I want to move towards in life is being the same way with like food. 
like food and drinks, like good, oh, man, high quality stuff. I would stuff. love yeah. to get to that place. I, I'm so I, I've always wanted that. It. Me and Connie always talk about that, and we do some small things that like are above the norm, I guess. But we don't like we're definitely not crazy. Like we don't shop at Whole Foods, nothing like nothing like that. But um, we do lean more towards like not really having like a strict like grocery budget, and we're we're fairly lenient. We're mindful, but we're not. You know, my my goal is to just kind of like whatever I want to get. As long Dude. as like good food, not just like junk. I'm saying, you know, high quality, yeah. organic, like healthy meats and good stuff. Like I love that idea. I think that's like quite literally like when I think about what it means to like have like wealth and like not think about money, I think about eating food. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not so much speaking in terms. I mean, part I am part of speaking of like, not like going not, to fancy restaurants. Well, that is part of it. But I, I'm speaking specifically towards like groceries and like eating at home. Yeah. Like that type of bill and that type of food, and just not thinking yeah. about it. Just, this is but like what I want. You should, but we, I feel like we all should do oh, that. I mean, that's what yeah. goes in our body. That's like, I mean, foods for me is like a big part of my day. I really enjoy. It. Like I often mm-hmm. think about it, and for me, most days I'm like, shoot, what's in the fridge? What am I gonna eat? Like I'm kind of <laughs> scrounging around, like trying to cool. I'll have beans, corn, and chicken. Like <laughs> <laughs> like nothing. Like I literally had that for lunch today. You know, like on a tortilla. It was whatever. Um, just all the leftovers. Yeah. So my goal is to like move towards like not doing that <laughs> to just yeah. like really have good food quality stuff at home and that, then also eating out too. That's the thing I'm the most subconscious about and like our finances and wait, uh, you are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really? Mm-hmm. Like uh feeling guilty. Is that what you're saying? Or like not guilty, but you're aware of it. Like you don't. Yeah. A hundred percent. Even groceries. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really pay attention to like what we pay for gas, even like what we pay for like, I don't know, like entertainment, hmm. definitely not for like books, education for actually me and my friend Chris were just talking about it for like software products. I don't, I'm like the least price sensitive, like software buyer of all time. Yeah. Just like this thing saves me money or like makes me money. Cool. I don't care what it costs. I'm, I'm going to get it. But food for some reason, there's a weird thing where, um, groceries, not so much eating out a little bit more, even if it's, healthy there's just like something about it that i'm always um yeah just always like that's interesting very very conscious about about. you yeah i feel like i'm the least aware of that i mean i'm very mindful of eating out and then i drink i think drink drinks bother me just like oh yeah coffee and just like teas like this expensive like that i look at and i'm always like why why do we do that you know but you know i've been i've been thinking less about that to be honest um i used to but then I, I kind of did the math and this is going to sound, I don't know, this could sound like kind of privileged and snobby maybe, but I was like, I think the, like if we really balled out and we got all the drinks that we wanted, coffee, even like a cocktail for dinner, wine, whatever, we'd maybe spend like 300 bucks a month. I'm like, that's not actually that much. Like I can live with that. If mm. that was like the high end of what yeah, we would spend. I get what month. you're saying. Well, like for the experience and for like, enjoying like that evening to get whatever it is like that whatever that coffee day whatever you're doing like enjoying it exactly that's important like i I don't connie is so good at that dude she's so good at like anytime we eat out or like shopping she's always like she always wants me to get the things that i want to get and i'm always like nope like okay here's a great example today (laughs) this is so funny she actually would probably be mad if i told her this not that that i'm sharing this but i didn't tell her why so here's what happened we're, uh, I'm at, we're at home working and she's like, hey, can we go to Wetzel Pretzel? She'd been asking me for like five days. And every day I'm like, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I was like, <sighs> sure, let's go. And so we left like, you know, at noon, went to Grossmont Center. And uh, I knew that I had like corn and beans and chicken that I made from the night before at home. So like I wanted to eat the food that I made <laughs> and I wanted to go bad. 
And so, but I was like super hungry. I hadn't eaten anything today. I'm like lightheaded. I've had like three cups of coffee. Like I needed food. And uh, take her, take her to the mall, whatever. Walk in, walk the dogs, whatever. And I go inside, I and I get her. I just just get her a pretzel, not me. Mm. I come back, and she's like, "Oh, like why didn't you get a pretzel?" And I was, well, I guess I was honest. I said, "Oh, the, you know, I said oh, I have food at home." But the real reason why was I didn't want to spend seven dollars on a pretzel. That yeah. was like the main reason yeah. why. But because I also had food at home, and um, the reality was like, so then we sat outside on the table, and like I watched Con eat her pretzel. And it's like, that was cool, but it probably would have been better if like, together we're eating this Way pretzel, better. we're like, sharing the cheese on the table, we're enjoying our, like, we enjoyed it, it wasn't, like, bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I think food and small things like that matter. And Dude, a hundred, I mean, the, the exact same way I've, I've caught myself, I think, the last month or two, hopefully Monique will agree, but um, we would do the same thing where, like, we would go out and, and get coffee, and then, you know, she'd be like, oh, do you want anything? And I'm like, No. Like not because I didn't want anything about more, because I just like didn't want to spend the, the, the yeah. five bucks. Or yeah. and you're okay without it, kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm Same I'm fine like, without yeah, exactly. it. Um, but then you know she'd be like, okay, well, like I didn't want to like just go get Come coffee for me. myself. Exactly. I wanted yeah. us to get coffee, and I was like, oh, like well, like duh, like that makes a whole. It's worth the five bucks. Just do it. Like just yeah. get the coffee. Like that makes a whole it. bunch of yeah. sense. And um, so now you know, occasionally, like I don't always want coffee, or I always don't always want something, um, uh, but I'm like. That's also, I think, part of the reason why I've been like less kind of price conscious yeah. about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun, dude. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm trying to move towards it. <laughs> like right now, we're kind of like crossing that line of like groceries. Like that's where we yeah. do a little bit more. Again, not crazy, but I would love to get to a spot to where just like whatever the heck I want, I'm gonna get for food and like you know. Yeah, I feel like we sound very like snobby. I don't want to sound that way. I just want to. I feel like what I'm saying is good. Like I'm also yeah. I want to buy shoes. I'm no, saying I, I want to eat good, organic, healthy like food. Is what yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. And I think we should do that. That's what yeah. I mean. I think that the takeaway is not like, well, I just want to be able to like spend whatever I yeah. want at a restaurant. It's like, no, we want to just be able to get what we want, Quality. eat healthy, yeah. feel good about it, and just like not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Also. That's what my dad is dude. at restaurants. He normally gets like whatever he wants, and mm. I only think he looks at the price. He just like get it, gets the food, and I'm it's like, oh, I can't wait to get that. One. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's the best. Uh, okay, I have one more thing, and we'll. I mean, for me, I guess I'll be done. I'm not sure what else you have. Yeah. Um, kind of along the same lines, actually. Um, I don't know. This is more along like the spiritual side of things, but I feel like God's been speaking to me recently just about like priorities, and I think we we talk so much on this podcast about like business and work, which I think we are both very like amped up about those things, which I don't think is bad. Um, but I don't know. I was just thinking of like the kind of like the order of things, right? So think of like a like a line going one way, and it starts with you know. Uh, like business and then like I, I think of like people right so family and friends and then the end of that line is jesus and i feel like a lot of times like that's like the way of my like life kind of goes like i that's like the rank of things like first is like my business like work and then it's like people so like friends and family um and then like you know church and like that kind of stuff and uh like it should like totally be flip-flopped but it's so easy for it to get like how it is or you know how, how it often is and so i've been thinking about that of like the priority and the main one is that middle one of like uh, not the middle one sorry well i guess the last one which is business like i think to me i always make it the most important thing and the reason why for me is like that's like we talk about this right but like money is the ability to like spend your time how you want to and then to like put money towards things you want so we kind of just just shared like food right food's like a big deal to us right what also is important to me is like my family and kids one day and like giving and helping people and so to me it's like my business is like the catalyst for all those things. And that is true, but that like the business can't be before everything else. You know, it, it really shouldn't in, in regards to like where my attention goes. And so 
it's been hard. Like me and Cody have been talking a lot about that of like how it's such a weird like balance of like how do I like I don't know, how do I like make Connie a priority and like and like friends a priority and like do these things like which I kind of have the freedom to do now. But at the same time, like, spend time, like, enough time towards, like, business and, like, work and, like, producing, you know? It's a weird balance, like, because I honestly want to spend, like, most of my time, like, on work. Because like, I, I like it. It's fun for me. But it's got to be more balanced. And it's, for me, it's hard. It's really hard to balance it. Especially when, like, I think it's harder. I mean, you probably can agree to this. It's harder when, like, you don't have a job or when you're not going to a job. Yeah. A, because, like, the fire is under your butt. Like, you have to, you have to make money to survive. But also because like your home and you only have like an office to go to. And so it's like all of your day can spent can be spent. It's like at home working, you know, and it's hard to like separate that line. So I don't know. It's been like a weird thing. It's, it's been more of like a dialogue between me and Connie, but more, sorry, it's been less of that and more of, but God just been like speaking to my heart about like, mm. I think the most important thing to me is, I mean, it's the Lord and then people I mean, really like relationships and like yeah. just people like, I mean, like friendships and like you and like fr- good friends, and, like Connie, like, my family like and i i'm so bad at making time for those things i mean i do decent with connie but everything else i'm very bad at and i really want to do better at and uh i think about this a lot we i think we talk about this many times but i guess what i'm trying to say is it's kind of become like a god thing the most not god thing but like it's been like more of a conviction recently versus like a thought you know mm, so yeah i don't know man it's been i'm sure you probably feel similar i'm guessing but um it's been a hard thing yeah i feel like i've been I think with COVID, I just got like completely sucked into like the internet. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until maybe it was like a couple of months ago. And I just had like this weird desire to like hang out with like people all the time and like go out and like do fun stuff and like play basketball and go on a hike and like be outside. And um, I was like just like starved for it. And uh, it's totally for that reason because like, dude, like Twitter is not real life. <laughs> like the internet is not real life. Mm-hmm. I think we, I mentioned this last time, so I don't want to re- repeat myself too much. But um, it's really easy to like just get sick, sucked into your work and like mm-hmm. whatever it is, and like that just completely takes over all that you think about, worry about, care about. You know, you have like your vision for, but like that's not really uh, a representation of what's actually going on you know like most of what we like think about and what we care about is all made up in our in our heads like we're all just like living up here inside of our brains and it isn't until you like get outside of that you talk to someone new or you like just get sick of being inside of your head all the time that you that you realize that yeah yeah i don't know it's been like a a sobering thought um i think it's hard because I, like for me, I really feel like I'm doing like what I was made to do. Like I feel like so much in my calling of just like, I've like found it. Like I found like what I've kind of wanted for a long time. Like I think I'm doing it. Like I'm what God made me to do. So it, in my mind, it makes me like justify like, Oh, like I'm doing what God wants me to do. <laughs> like I'm cultivating <laughs> the earth. Like, you know, I'm keeping my faith, whatever. Like I'm, I'm pushing forward. Um, but it's like, you know, we do those things like for a reason. And what's that, what did John Mark say? Like, to like lift those up around you or to elevate those, like part of like the work, part of like the cultivating, like benefits those around, you yeah. know, it's not so much mm-hmm. about like the work, but it's about what the work does. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm trying to remember. And, yeah. and it's so easy to forget it, especially like the daily, the, the, the daily just like work at home, you know, where like for today, for example, like I have the ability, thankfully to like 
spontaneously go to get a pretzel with Colin. That's fun, right? Like I should do that way more often, but I don't um, because I'm caught in like this work. But like work allows that kind of thing to happen, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big one. Um, I have a couple smaller kind of updates just to cap us off, maybe. But um, I think I, I just wanted to recap because I think I mentioned at least one of these in, in the last update. But um, uh, I think last time I talked a little bit about having, you know, it being tax season and tax time and uh, having a little bit of stress around swipe files and having that whole kind of thing sorted out. Um, glad to report that I paid the tax man. Nice. Dues. How was that? Um, it wasn't as painful as I thought. And it was pretty much exactly as I expected. And um, the crazy part is that it was a five-figure sum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I was like, holy mackerel, mm-hmm. this is the largest check I've ever written. Yeah. And that's to the government, of course. Yep. And um, But the really cool part was that it came out of, it didn't come out of my personal yeah. checking account. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was pretty gnarly. I was like, this whole business thing is like pretty gnarly because... It feels, it almost feels like playing with someone else's money a little bit, um, which I think is a cool advantage because you're less attached to it mm-hmm. and you're more, um, you have more like objective, kind of like healthy relationship mm-hmm. with it to a certain degree. Um, but uh, going through that experience, I was also just like, man, there are a lot of advantages to owning a business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, a business that's like not just like a, a name and like an entity, but like it's actually like does something, mm-hmm. even a small amount. But I was, I was thinking, I was like, geez, if I had known kind of like this, I would have like done something really, really small on the side and then like taken advantage of a lot of these advantages a long time ago, basically, yeah. because it's pretty incredible. Um, there was actually, there was one tweet. I can't remember when it was, but a guy that I follow on Twitter, uh, Nat Lyson, he was like, there's kind of like this meme on Twitter where like all these people try to sound really, like really, really smart. And so it'll be like, blah blah blah. few understand this kind of just like a like a (laughs) holier than thou like look how smart i am like just like touting your intelligence Mm -hmm. whatever it is and so he like he tweeted um uh uh there are those who pay for things um uh post tax with their like w2 check and there are those who pay for things pre-tax with with their business. Yes, so you understand this. And I was like, "Oh my that's gosh, awesome. that's that's really funny." It's so true. So it's true. genius. Yeah. It um like, dude, told you, bro. Every meal, run it through, bro. <laughs> every meal. <laughs> well, yeah, you can really take it to extreme if if you want to. Yeah. Um, but man, there are some big advantages. There are some disadvantages. There's always trade-offs, but uh, for the large majority of things, I'm like, wow, this kind of makes my life a little bit a lot easier mm-hmm. <laughs> because even th- even that whole switch of like pre-tax post-tax dude it's, it's a game it's changer. crazy like it really is crazy yeah it, it's nuts um even dude even um it's crazy because i think that since i since i really like no i mean ever since i left barometrics uh all the money that i've made from swipe files and swipe files related things has been more than my paycheck at Barometrics hmm. every single month. That's crazy. And it's varied. Sometimes it's kind of close to what it used to make, mm-hmm. but it's also been like wildly more. Hmm. And it's not every month, but um, that alone. And then you get to pay for things pre-tax. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I'm living. It's dope. This is amazing. Like, Have you started renting your office yet from your, your apartment, whatever? From the, like, does the business rent that from you guys? No. Uh-uh. You haven't? 
No. Do it. No, it's totally legit. Yeah. The okay. Well, I don't know if it's if it's actually an apartment. I'm assuming you can. Like, if it's not, like my home, for example, like the business like rented this office from like yeah. us. I think you need to have a home, and okay. you can either you can either do that through like renting it from yourself, or you can just sort of like at the end of the year, sort of like Whatever calculate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just like take a portion of square footage and whatnot, which is what we do. We do yeah, exactly. Um, but one of the trade offs is you have the difference between like your gross income, which is what people look at for mortgages and loans and credit scores and things like that. And then there's like your net income from the business, which if you run it through everything through that, then that can mm-hmm. be zero yeah. <laughs> or less than zero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that cannot be good. Uh, so you have to be smart about it. But anyways, all I have to say, that's been pretty fun. Um, now are you, so now that you're, so you're caught up, right? Well, you paid off 2020, right? 2020 and you made the any first payments towards this year. Yeah. I think I've done the, at least the first quarter, if not the first two quarters. Cause I, I think I, I shared, but we got pretty behind in taxes too. When we first started out, just like not understanding how it works. And so kind of like you, um, so we had like a nice little hole to climb out of. We literally <laughs> actually, uh, we like wrote all the checks from like 20. So we, we were like two years, like a year and a half, almost two years behind on it. It was yeah. kind of crazy. Um, and we, we got, got all caught up basically. So this, when, when was tax day, April 15th, 14th? 15th? Yeah. But it got delayed to like May 17th. Yeah. Whatever it was. That's when we like finally got fully caught up from last year and the first half, first quarter of this yeah. year. So, okay. That not to get too much and I'll probably get myself in trouble by saying this, but that's the other thing about it is that there's a lot of like rules and like a, to be bent and exceptions mm-hmm. when you own a business too, because when you get a paycheck, that money comes straight out of your paycheck mm-hmm. automatically. Actually, you can you can make it less. You can like, make it less. Yeah, but for sure, it's still. But still I think there's actually a way, honestly, to not do that. Yeah, um, but most of the, like it's still pretty different owning a business because you can kind of uh, there's a delay. And yeah, even but they then, don't like, they don't really raise it doesn't really raise concern until I think after you owe the IRS. I think that the amount is like twenty thousand. Once you owe more than that, right. That's when it kind of start like. And then even then, Coming you don't just you have to pay twenty thousand. Oh yeah, you, you can make payments. payments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our accountant, because uh, we at one point we, we owed that amount, and he was like, he was like, send him, you know, basically what he said was, is he said always keep it below twenty, and then he said if you want, he said if you, like you don't if you don't mind having that debt or that loan, whatever, just basically keep it below that, and so keep make making monthly payments as long as it doesn't surpass that. Personally, I hate that. I'm like, nope. Like, I don't like debt. I don't want to know that I owe someone money. So we just we paid it all off. Took a little while, but we did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you yeah, like, like you're saying, you could just hold on that money. Like, so which people do that, bro. People like yeah. some guys do that. Which I don't know. I mean, there's there's probably some like cons to that as well. But here's the thing: is that um, sometimes you like you go through something like this where you learn about just like a different way of doing things, and then you think about the old way of doing things, and you think like. Why is it that way? Or how did it get that way? And then there's there's this whole system in, I mean, at least in America, this is how it works. I think it's fairly similar around the world too, but where you get a paycheck every two weeks and the taxes are taken out like automatically, usually. That's how most people do it. They take out like the fair amount and then most people get a, you know, your tax return is, isn't a huge amount of money, right? It's, you might owe a little bit or you might uh, be owed a little bit. You might get a tax return yeah. back, right? Um, and, uh, and then you run everything through your, your debit card or maybe your credit card. Um, but most things, you know, or you even like send a check out from your bank account and, um, talk about anti-fragile, like that's a very fragile way of living mm-hmm. because you have one source of income and it, everyone else gets paid before you. Mm-hmm. 
and then you pay everyone else immediately mm -hmm. after you get that money or from money uh, you know that you've received in the past. One of the things that's really helped me was just like peace of mind. And it's also, uh, I don't know if I call it like financial engineering, but we run our entire life through uh, our credit cards, mm -hmm. maybe like one or two. Um, one, because of the, the points. But yeah. really, it's just because it gives us like a 30 to 60 day yeah. buffer, buffer mm -hmm. on everything that we pay for. So that if we do end up overspending or if we do, um, if there's something unexpected or even just normal day-to-day -day stuff, I know that one, I can make up for it later, uh, which I've done a couple times just because we need to or because it was something that didn't come up. Um, or two, like it just, it makes like the cash flow. Like yeah. if you think of yourself as a business, like the cash flow yeah, is no, way exactly. better. Instead of money leaving faster than it comes in, now money comes in way more often and faster than it goes out because it goes out way later in 30 yeah. to 60 days. Yeah, you know, a lot of people like would probably disagree with that, but I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think it makes sense. Um, but I mean, there, there is part of that where like you have to be okay with knowing like when you like, you know, you tonight you go get a coffee, Corey, you spend that five bucks or whatever, like that money is on, you're on the hook for that for the next 30, 60 days. Right. So if yeah, you're okay five with bucks that, is five bucks. Yeah, I'm just right. saying, but, you know, everything, right. So every expense, yeah. so thousands of dollars for the month, whatever it is yeah. kind of being on the back, back burner being paid off. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not incurring debt on it, like you're not paying interest. Like I think exactly. that's the way to go. A hundred percent. I, I purely like, that's like the main benefit to me. It's kind of gaming the system a little bit. Like you're kind of totally. like, you're kind of figuring out like, what can you get away with here? I mean, so, and again, so like your point is like, as a business owner, as just like non-business owner, <laughs> yeah. you can kind of do both ways. So, um, so as a business owner, you, you use credit cards, uh, to pay for a bunch of things and that also you, you rack up a huge amount of points and rewards mm -hmm. for paying for things that aren't even personal stuff. It's just like business expenses. Yeah. So that's just like free money in and of itself. Also helps you with cash flow. Mm -hmm. You pay for things pre-tax. Uh, and then you can also put some of your personal stuff on the business stuff. Yeah. And then for your personal stuff, you have that 30, 60 day buffer with your credit cards. And then you pay yourself through the business, which is one way or another, you know, pre-tax ish. And, um, the benefits are enormous. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, why would I ever go back to the other way? So I'm saying, bro, I don't think we've paid for a trip since um since we started business it well for two reasons a uh the credit card i mean our points are, we have more than enough to pay for several trips a year like yeah. flights hotels everything's covered which is awesome but also you can as a corporation for us we can hold an annual compliance meeting and we can do it on a trip so mm. when we went to europe in 2019 or 20, yeah, 2020 that was a business expense because we held our annual compliance meeting as the owners of me and Connie in Europe. So whole trips are right <laughs> off, dude. And that, that's like legit. Like that's not, I mean, you're kind of gaming, but you're all, I mean, you're not, you're not like stealing. You're, you're not following like, the rules. Yeah. You're following the rules. I mean, you get a little bit. Um, so the hard thing is with this stuff is like you, you can totally get carried away. And a lot of it has to come down to like, just you kind of being a good person. Like, cause there's a lot yeah. of sketchy things you can do and you can make some poor decisions. And so, um, our first like two years, I don't think we made, we didn't make anything sketchy, but we just didn't understand like how tactics were going to work. And so we got behind. And so, excuse me, but like now that we're caught up, like we're, we'll never do that again. I'm not sure about you, but you'll probably never get behind again. Right. It's not worth it. Huh? When you're like, no, not crap. Really. I owe you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, so we're, we're, you know, we, now we make the estimated payments every quarter and like keep that sum down because it gets out of hand. All I have to say, um, a lot of cool things for having a lot of advantages for a business. Definitely. Um, one more thing on a related note. Uh, because this is part of it where I was like, well, okay, so 
this year I've done way more like investing mm-hmm. quote unquote that I've ever done. And I think that's actually true for a lot of people. If you just look at the numbers of like how many people are using apps like Robinhood and mm-hmm. investing in crypto or you like know what crypto is. Um, but one of the things I've been sort of thinking about, but I haven't really been like, I didn't want to like actively do it was, uh, angel investing. And, um, yesterday, well, I mean, over the last week or so, a couple of opportunities started to present themselves. And yesterday I got the sort of investment memos for my first potential two angel investments. Really? Yeah. Like live big ones or small amounts or how much? So, okay, here's the thing. So this is stuff that, again, like no one really teaches you. You got to figure out for yourself. Probably not an option for most people, but because of the, really the business situation, like I can sort of make these investments through the business, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily have to come out of my savings or out of my, my checking. Um, but angel investing is interesting because it's not institutional capital. And so there isn't someone else who needs to fact check if you are a accredited investor. Basically, an accredited investor is if you have one million in assets or you make two hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually like the government's basically uh, like if you're an accredited Criteria. investor, you you have more access to riskier, more lucrative opportunities. I think that's bogus. Personally, I, I don't like, I don't think accreditation is anything um, good. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't bring any value to society and actually just like feeds into this whole like the wealthier or the wealthy get wealthier and the poor get poorer. Uh, but, but anyways, here's the thing about owning a business is that as I understand it, and I've done my research, talked to a few people, this is mainly how it works, is that if you own a business that does around six figure, you know, at least six figures a year, let's just say $100,000. And someone could potentially acquire that business for around 10 times revenue for a million dollars. Then, and you own 100% of that business, then potentially you you could be worth a million dollars. And so you can sort of pass as an accredited investor. Uh, And there's also, you know, the income kind of gets close to that Mm -hmm. in another, you know, way, especially with through a business, right? Because anyways, um, so especially angel investing is not with institutions. So you don't have to prove that you're an accredited investor. And also with a lot of angel investing, you get to choose how much you want to put in. Whereas with an institution, like if you were to become a limited partner in a VC fund, um, they dictate the amount that they say, Hey, we only have, there's, it's actually pretty interesting. There's only uh, a VC fund can only accept 99 investors uh, for most of the like, structures for how VC funds work. Um, and so you want to raise $50 million. Well, do the math, 50 million divided by a hundred people. Each person mm-hmm. needs to write about $5 million check, which is a mm-hmm. large check, right? So they come to you and they say, Hey, we're looking for 99 people. Here's the amount we want to raise. And it's basically like, well, you can like pony up the amount that they want, or you can say, no, I want to do this much, but that's not guaranteed because someone else might just say they'll yeah. pony up the other the, yeah, the full amount in, yeah. and you don't get in. Whereas angel investing is more about kind of like you get to pick and choose <laughs> and uh, there is no cap or there is no minimum. And so you can write a check for as much as, um, I mean, 500 bucks to a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars. Like it, 
angel and angel investment isn't like a technical term like that's just sort of like a stage it's yeah. just like jargony word that people have made up um and so the ones that i'm con- considering now are very small they're on the the, the low end of the mm-hmm. spectrum you know it's the one or two thousand dollar checks basically um but it's actually pretty interesting because um for what the companies raise versus and the terms what they could be um a thousand dollars you know the most actually i should say like the most usually successful investors make angel investments like that's like the most lucrative category mm-hmm. it also has the highest failure rate but it's also why it's the most interesting because it's kind of like a game of picking and choosing and like betting on your your horses mm-hmm. so anyways i am currently considering my first two angel investments we'll see still need to thoroughly discuss with monique and look at our finances and mm-hmm. obviously you know really go through the companies as well but uh it's pretty fun is it open to other investors yeah 100 percent. you have to be an accredited investor technically technically yes gotcha yeah all right well, let's talk about it later yeah but oh that's the other thing too is that if you're if you're not doing an institutional round of funding then technically you can allow for i think up to up to 50 unaccredited investors if you wanted to um, that's on the company raising side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like <clears throat> if you're accredited versus unaccredited, that's on you. That's not on them at all. So they don't really care what you are. They sort of just like want you and your money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, whereas like you could get, uh, like the consequences are greater. If you like actually lied to an institution, they could get sued. Hmm. You could be sued for it. You could not get your money back that you invested, stuff like that. So we'll see beautiful all right well shall we cap it there let's do it man that was good that was fun that was a good one good catching up thanks for everyone for listening if you've made it this far uh appreciate you all three things you can do to help us support the podcast one drop into your podcast player of choice and please 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 leave us a review that would honestly go a huge way if you can just leave us a couple nice comments maybe a six-star review the more the better um we would really really appreciate it also share with a friend listen I know as a marketer, uh, growing a podcast is really, really hard. If you just send it to like one friend and say, hey, listen to this episode or send them a clip, there's lots of different podcast apps that allow you to do that. That would be huge. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and we'll see you in the next one. 